Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. Connect further with us by downloading the Dream City Omaha app or finding us on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe for more. How's everybody doing today? Good. Everybody have a good holiday season. Christmas was good. New Year's was good. I know I've seen some of you. Some of you haven't seen since then. So some of you haven't seen since last year. <laughs> I know. I know, I know, I know, but I had to say it. So just uh, want to say it's, it's good to see you, good to be with you. Wanted to, to highlight the, the Converge Conference because some of you, uh, some of you are new to Dream City. Uh, this is your first year at, uh, at the start of the year. What we do is we, we begin every year with 21 days of fasting and prayer. And at the end of that 21 days, we end it with our, our weekend conference annually. And so it's a Friday night. We, we gather for a service, and then in the past, we've done Saturday evening services. A few years ago, we trained, changed it up a little bit. We do uh, a general session Saturday morning, 9 a.m., and then we have breakouts for the next three to four hours. We break for lunch, and then there's a pastoral Q&A, give you an opportunity to ask any questions that, that you have, and, uh, and then we, we finish it on, on Sunday morning with our regular two services. But it's just a time for us to end the fast together on this high note, uh, the, the theme of conversion. The theme of the conference every year is, is whatever the theme God is giving us as a church. Last year, I told you the theme for this year is to be one, reach one. And we're going to get into that today. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk more about it at Converge. But if you, if you haven't put Converge on your calendar, I would encourage you to do so. It's the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, January. I believe it's the 20th, 21st, 22nd. Uh, those are the dates. And so Friday evening, we'll have a service. Saturday, we'll go from nine till about three in the afternoon. And then Sunday, just be a, plan on, on being a part of our normal nine and 11 a.m. service times. Those of you that are watching online, if you're here in the Omaha, Lincoln area, you can, you can come and be a part of that. For those that are outside of the area, you can book a flight. Uh, I, think, I think all the flights are back on schedule. And so uh, go ahead and book your plane ticket. Come on in and, and join us that weekend. It's going to be a great time. Are you ready for the word today? Yes. Matthew chapter 28 is, is going to be kind of our jumping off point. If you want to go ahead and turn there. Before we, before we get into the message, though, I do, I do have to, to begin the new year how we ended last year. And so uh, I got a question for you. Why are, why are, chickens, why are chickens so funny? Why are chickens so funny? Because? <laughs> Those of you that didn't laugh out loud, I know you laughed in your heart, so now you're ready to learn. It's okay. <laughs> because? <laughs> Some of you are like, that's a good one. Come on. <laughs> Matthew chapter 28. Jesus, to, to, to set the, the scene a little bit. All right, now let's come on. So at the scene a little bit, Jesus has, he, he, he's gone to the cross for three days, was, was in the tomb. On that third day, he rose again. The women ran to the tomb. They encountered the angel. They came, told Peter and, and John, and 
John recounts the story and says that the one that Jesus loved, speaking of himself, beat Peter in a foot race to the tomb. Of course, he had to put that in there. And so they've, they've seen Jesus. They've seen the empty tomb. And for a period of 40 days, Jesus has appeared and disappeared from their presence. He's, he, he's shown up in rooms that they were meeting in. He's walked with them. He's talked with them. They've had a period of time, and now Jesus is, is, is getting ready to ascend back into heaven. And, and this is really like the last thing that Jesus says. As he's going back to the Father in Matthew chapter 28, we, we see Jesus. In verse 18, he comes to the disciples. He came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord, we thank you for your word today as we as we study your word, as we examine your word, I pray that your word would, would come alive in our hearts, come alive in our spirit. I pray that you would uh, accomplish whatever it is that you want to accomplish in our lives through the power of your word today. We submit ourselves to you. We surrender our lives to you and say, God, whatever it is that you want to do and wherever you want to take us this year and however you want to use us this year, Lord, we give you access. We give you control. We give you authority. And Lord, we, we say we will follow. Wherever you lead, we will go. We love you. We thank you. And thank you for this time that we get to come together in your name as a church, as a group of believers to worship and to learn together. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 This morning as we, we look at that, that command, because really that's what it is. It's a command given by Jesus to his disciples to go and make new disciples. We refer to it as the Great Commission. In your Bible, if you have a, a Bible, if you're following along, there's probably a heading right before verse 18 that says the Great Commission. It was this commissioning of Jesus that he gave to his disciples. Now that I am going away, I'm giving you the responsibility because I've been given authority. I'm now giving you authority to go and to make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey everything that I've, I've taught you. And I'm with you always. I'll be there with you. I'm sending my spirit. And, and, and we, we look at the Great Commission, and it's very easy for us in our 2023 Western busyness mindset, lifestyle, culture, and society that we've created to look at the Great Commission as if it was something just for the first church. As if it was just for Peter, James, and John, Matthew, and Bartholomew, and, and they were the ones who had to go and make disciples. But the command and the commission that Jesus gave to them is the same as the command and the commission that he's given to you. It's to be a disciple who makes disciples. To be a disciple who makes disciples who then they will go and make disciples who then they will go and make disciples. 
My question is, who are you discipling? Who have you, who have you discipled in the last year? What disciples have you made in the last five years? As we move into this year, I told you last week, for those of you that were here, really sensing that this is a year of, of harvest. Jesus told his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers out. Guess who those workers are? Those workers are you and me. You are those workers that Jesus was praying for. And I, I told you last week that I feel like the last couple of years have been this, this season of, of creating and making and developing new wineskins, but that 2023 is a year of new wine. It's a year of harvest. It's a year of fruitfulness. But in order for it to be a year of fruitfulness, it requires us getting outside of the church and going out to where the harvest is. To be disciples who make disciples. The first thing that I want you to understand today is that only disciples make disciples. Jesus was speaking to who? The disciples. He wasn't speaking to the crowds. He wasn't speaking to those who followed him only because he fed the 5,000 and they got a free meal. He wasn't speaking to those who were on the outside looking in. He wasn't speaking to those who only followed Jesus when it was convenient for, for them. He didn't, he, he's not speaking to those who said, Jesus, I'll follow you. But when he says, the, the, you know, birds have, have nests and foxes have dens, but the son of man has no place to lay his head, who then they turned and walked away sad. He wasn't speaking to them. He was speaking to disciples. And only disciples make disciples. Disciples, that's why, number one, you need to ask yourself, who are you being discipled by? Because whoever you're being discipled by is what you're going to disciple others in. What are you making? Who are you, who, are you, who are you influencing in your life? We need to understand that just because people say that they're Christian doesn't mean that they're disciples. Not every Christian is a disciple. Every disciple is a Christian, but not every Christian is a disciple. There's a lot of people in church today here and in churches around the country who, if you ask them, like, they're, they're a Christian. They've placed their faith in Jesus. Does that mean that they've picked up their cross and become a disciple? No. Because there's a difference. I think one of the problems with the church today is there's too many Christians too many Christians and not enough disciples. Do you know how many times the word Christian is used in the New Testament? Three times. Do you know how many times the word disciple is used? Over 260. Jesus never said, go and make Christians. He never said, God sent me here to make Christians. He said, go and make disciples. I think as the church, we've gotten so comfortable making Christians that we've forgotten to make disciples. Only 32% of, and these are, pe these are people who, who would say that they're, they're practicing Christians. These aren't the Christers, the Christmas and Easters. These, these, are, these are practicing Christians, who is, which is defined by in-person weekly attendance in church at least once every three weeks, because that's what we call practicing Christians these days. Once every three weeks and you're a practicing Christian. 
Of practicing Christians, only 32% of regular church attenders said that they read their Bible every day. One third of practicing Christians say that they read their Bible every day. One third of practicing Christians read their Bible less than once a month. One third, according to them, according to what they say, and according to how they responded when asked. One third, read it less than once a month. 43% of regular church attenders have never invited someone to church. 43% of regular church attenders, and I'm not saying this and I'm not giving you this to, to make you feel guilty. I'm, not, I'm, I'm giving you this to, to kind of set the baseline for where we are as a church in this country. As followers of Jesus and as disciples of Jesus, we have to do better. 43% of regular church attenders have never invited somebody to church. 52% of practicing Christians didn't share their faith one time in 2022. 52%. And yet, when we read the scripture, Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And teaching them to obey all the commands that I've given you. And 52% of us said, nah, we're good. That's not for me. I don't think I'm going to get down like that. But what if they reject me? But what if they laugh at me? But what if they, what if they don't say yes? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, and we waste our time worrying about things that have never and probably will never even happen. Meanwhile, people in our city are dying without the knowledge of Jesus, and they're lost and hopeless and joyless, and we have the answer, and we choose to sit comfortably in our own chairs. It's too many Christians and not enough disciples. Christians are consumers. Christians will come into church week after week and consume and consume and consume and go and do nothing with it. Disciples will leave and put into practice what the Holy Spirit has told them. Disciples are producers. Christians are consumers. And today, you have to ask yourself, which one will you choose to be? Because the choice is yours. Here's the good news. You aren't called to be a Christian. You weren't created to just be a Christian, but to be a disciple, to be one who goes from consumer to producer, to be one who is out there letting your good deeds shine so that other people would glorify your Father in heaven, being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, being a city set on a hill that can't be hidden, being a light in a dark place that when people look at you, they say there's something different, and I don't know what they have, but I need to have it because I've never experienced anything like that before. And how, when all seems to be so hopeless, are they filled with so much hope? Where is that coming from? 
because I know it's not coming from politicians and I know it's not coming from the economy and I know it's not coming from the prices at the grocery store or at the gas station. I don't know where this hope that they have is coming from and you will be given opportunities to say it's not in anything that this world has or can offer, but it's only in Jesus Christ. Would you like to meet him? That is the life that you have been created and called to live. Not as a Christian, but as a disciple of Jesus. For us to, 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 to be disciples who make disciples, I think we, we have to understand what it means to be a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is defined by the dictionary as someone who adheres to the teachings of another. Very simply put, it's a student. It's a learner. It is a, a follower, a disciple back in Jesus's day is somebody who would follow the teacher everywhere that they went. And whatever the teacher said to do, they would do and the teacher would stop and he would teach lessons and he would give insight and the wisdom that was passed on to him from his teacher, he would then pass on to his students. So his disciples were always with him. They were always following. They were always learning. And then there came a day where they were released from, from their teacher to then go and make disciples of their own to instruct and to, to train. And so it's a follower, it's a learner as it pertains to following Jesus and as it pertains to being a disciple of Jesus. What is a disciple of Jesus? I would define a disciple as someone who, because of God's grace at work in their life, conforms their words and ways to the words and ways of Jesus. That is, that is how I would define being a disciple of Jesus. Do your words and do your ways by the grace of God conform to Jesus's? Does your life look more like Jesus every day? I heard somebody once say that discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. I'll say that again. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if Jesus was you. It's a process. It's a process of becoming more and more like him, being transformed into his image. And, and I think some of us, we can get so discouraged with the idea of discipleship, with the process of discipleship, because we don't see the results as soon as we want to see them. And it's very easy for us to just kind of throw in the towel and give up. And it's like, man, I put in all of that work and, and I, I slipped and I fell back into sin or I, I gave into that temptation and, and, and it just seems like nothing's going to change. Why do I keep doing this? Have you ever been there? You ever been there? I, I was talking to the men yesterday. We had our, our monthly men's breakfast and talking about setting goals for the year and how that it's, it's important for us to set goals. It's a spiritual discipline for us to set goals. But often when we, when we set goals and we set a date to it and we have this goal that we're, 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 we're reaching for and we're striving for, if we don't meet that goal by the date that we set, we kind of just like give up. Discipleship's kind of the same way. I think sometimes we look in the mirror and we, we see all of the scars and we see all of the stuff that we're carrying with us. And it's like, you know what? Like, like I don't look like Jesus. <laughs> I don't. Like, I'm so far off. And there are things that I think that are so ugly. And there are things that I feel that are so 
hateful. And there's just, there's just this, this fleshly, selfish John on the inside of me that is constantly at war with the new John that's been made alive by the Spirit. And it's this battle that, that continues to, to, to wage itself inside of me and inside of my mind and inside of my heart and inside of my spirit. And, and there are times where it's like, man, why, what, what's the use? Why, why do I even bother? I'm not where I should be. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where, where I think other people assume that I am. So what am I even fighting for? We have this idea that the discipleship and Christianity is about perfection. Listen, it's not about perfection. There's only one person that was ever perfect and he died for you so you wouldn't have to be. So that his perfection could be placed upon you. But, but I want you to understand discipleship is not about perfection, it's about progression. Are you taking steps? Are you progressing? Yes, there are still things in you. I understand there are still things in me. No, you're not where you, sh you're sh you should be. I'm not where I should be. But thank God we're not where we were. And as long as we can be okay submitting ourselves to the process of daily looking more and more like Jesus. And yes, sometimes in life, it's going to feel like you take two steps forward and one step back. And that's okay as long as you pick yourself up and you wake yourself up the next day and set your eyes on Jesus and say, God, by your spirit, help me to live for you today. And there are days where you'll take five steps forward and you'll go to, go to bed at night feeling great. And you'll wake up the next morning and something will happen at work that just sets you off and you take a couple steps back and you respond in a way that is less than love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And you'll take a couple steps back, but that's okay if you go to bed and you wake up the next morning and say, God, by your grace, help me to live for you today. Help me to look more like you today. If you just submit yourself to this process of discipleship, it's, it's sanctification. It's daily being transformed into his image. It's daily looking more like him. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Are you, are you submitting yourself to that process? See, we have to understand that in order for us to make disciples, we first have to be disciples. In order for us to to reproduce and be fruitful in that way, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in us. Are you a Christian or are you a disciple? This morning, I want to give you four characteristics of Jesus' disciples, and then, uh, and then I want to challenge you at the end. The first characteristic, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down, is commitment. Disciples are committed. We're going to go through these pretty quickly. Disciples are committed. When asked, Lord, what's the greatest command? Here's what Jesus, Jesus said. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. It's a life of, of commitment, and it's a life of full commitment. It's not a life of partial commitment. It's not one foot in, one foot out. It's not dipping your toe in the shallow end. This is cannonball off the diving board, squints paladoras, even when you don't know how to swim. That's the lifestyle that we are called to live, going all, going all in. 
It's not holding anything back. Jesus, when, when, when people would approach him and say, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go, oftentimes he would say, all right, well, well then you need, to, you need to, to leave everything that you have. You need to sell everything that you have. And they're like, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Can I go bury my dad first? No, don't worry about burying your dad. The dead will bury their own dead. You need to come and follow me. And they're like, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm ready for that. And Jesus is like, unless you're prepared to leave everything behind, you have no place. Unless you get rid of all of it, you can't follow me. So he says, Luke chapter 14, verse 33. Jesus says, in the same way, those of you who don't give up everything you have can't be my disciples. If you're not willing to give up everything, you can't. That's a life of total commitment. Jesus says, unless you hate your father and your mother and your brother... Now understand, he's not, he's not saying as a disciple, you need to hate those people. But he was using hate as the opposite of love. He's saying your love for me should make your love for them look like there can't be anything competing with me. And in our lives today, there are so many things that we carry around that are competing with Jesus whether it's hurt from the past, temptation, the lust of the flesh, the lust of our eyes, the pride of life, these things that we carry around with us that are, are vying for our attention and rather than living fully committed as disciples of Jesus, we're half in half the week and we're half out the rest of the week. If you wanna be a disciple, it requires full commitment. It requires you picking up your cross, dying to yourself daily and choosing to follow him every day of your life. Again, it's not about perfection. It's about progression. The second characteristic is love. He said, the first command is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He was asked, who is my neighbor? It's when he gives the story of the, the Good Samaritan, man who, who is disliked in that community, yet he stopped to help somebody who didn't look like him, act like him, think like him, vote like him, in fact, look down upon him, and yet he stops to, to take care of him. Do you love in such a manner? Do you love those in your community? Do you love those in your neighborhood? Do you love those in your workplace? Would your life be marked by love? If somebody were to describe you would love be one of the top five words that they use? Would it be one of the top 10 words that they use? They're just so loving. <laughs> They're so kind. They're so gentle. They just care about everybody. Is that you? Is it me? It should be. As disciples of Jesus, love should be something that marks our lives. The third thing that is a... a a trait, a characteristic, is a life of obedience. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus speaking, says to the people, he says, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. John chapter 14, Jesus would say, if you love me, obey me. And it's not a heavy-handed, here's what you have to do if you say that you love me, but it's more of a out of your love for me, will flow a life of obedience. If you love me, then you will obey me. So the question we have to ask is, how obedient are we? How faithful are we to his teachings? 
Do we come in as Christians on Sundays and we hear a nice message and we get us a funny dad joke and we laugh a little bit and we ponder a little bit and we think a little bit and we're challenged a little bit and our toes are stepped on a little bit and, and we leave it at that? Or as disciples, do we leave and do we take what the Holy Spirit has said to us and do we put it into practice? And do we allow him to, like sandpaper, smooth out those rough edges of our lives? Smooth out those hard, those hard corners that are a little abrasive to people around us? Do we allow him to work in our lives that way? Are we faithful to his teachings when he says things like, don't be drunk with wine? Sorry. When he says things like, you know, flee from, run from sexual immorality. And that comes on TV. Are we, are we quick to to turn it off? Are we quick to turn the channel? Are we quick to avert our eyes or do we allow that to linger? And do we remain in that situation? He says, let no foul speak come out of your mouth. Do we, do we take his teachings to heart and are we faithful to them? When it says, don't neglect the gathering of believers, do we take that to heart? Or are we just too comfortable sitting at home on our couches watching with our coffee? When he, in his word, reveals things and through his word challenges us and and corrects us and rebukes us, do we submit ourselves as disciples and say, you know what, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. And rather than needing your word to conform to my life, let my life conform instead to your word. And so if there's anything in me that doesn't look like your word, show me and give me the grace and empower me to live that out. That's what a disciple does. You know what a Christian does? They hear it on Sunday and they're like, yeah, that was for them. That wasn't for me. And they leave and they continue to do what they've always done. You can say that you're a Christian. I don't just want to be a Christian. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Why? Because the disciples were close, man. The disciples got to see things that not everybody got to see. The disciples knew Jesus like other people didn't know him. The disciples experienced, they were, they were there at the transfiguration when Moses and Elijah and Jesus were standing on that mountain. They were there when Jesus says, will you pray with me just for a couple of hours? They walked with him and they talked with him. And not only did they experience, but they participated Jesus, you need to feed these people. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? Why are you asking us? We got nothing. We got a number three combo from Long John Silver's. And Jesus is like, that's enough. A couple pieces, a couple biscuits and a couple of fish. We're good. He prays and he says, hand it out. They participated in the miracles. Peter jumped out of the boat and he walked on water. Crowds didn't experience that. Christians didn't experience that. It was the disciples who experienced that. And in your life, if you want to get close to Jesus and you want to experience things and you want to live the abundant life that he has promised for you to live, that he has paid for you to live, that he's given you access to, you know what it requires? It requires us going through this process of discipleship.
requires us being obedient to his word and faithful to his teaching. And then the, the fourth thing is this. The fourth characteristic of a disciple is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Go and put the verse up there, John chapter 15. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings glory to my Father. When you produce much fruit, then you are my true disciples. And Jesus, in context, in, in John chapter 15, is, he's telling them, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, then you'll bear fruit. If you don't, then you won't. Any branch that doesn't bear fruit is cut off and it's thrown into the fire. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the context of what he's saying. He says, if you bear fruit, if you're fruitful, then you're my disciples because that means you've been connected to me. You've remained connected to me. Now, now, as we think about fruitfulness, oftentimes in the church, we, we immediately will go to Galatians chapter 5. Because the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that the Spirit produces in our lives is what? It's love, it's joy, it's peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. We Many of us could, could quote the the, the fruit of the Spirit. Here's what's interesting. Galatians chapter 5. In, in the English language, fruit could be singular or plural, right? Like you could say, give me a piece of fruit, or you could say, look at all of that fruit. Either way, it's fruit. In the original language, the, the word fruit that is used is not plural. It's singular in Galatians chapter 5. And so there are scholars who believe that when, when Paul writes and he says the fruit that it produces, he's not listing out multiple fruits, plural, that the Holy Spirit produces. But in thinking about what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer, it produces a fruit because we are fruitful as followers of Jesus. But the only way that he could describe the fruit that is produced is listing out these attributes. There's no way that I could, I could really tell you what this fruit is or what it looks like, but the best that I could do is it looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. That is the, the fruit. That is what is produced in the life of a disciple of Jesus. Now, when we think about fruitfulness in nature, what is fruitfulness? Fruitfulness is reproduction. What is the point of an apple tree producing an apple? So that it would fall and its seeds would take root and that one day there would be a new what? Apple tree because apple trees make apple trees and orange trees make. You guys are a bright bunch. In nature, fruitfulness is reproduction. Can I tell you that as a disciple of Jesus, fruitfulness in your life looks less like Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, but looks more like being a di disciple who makes disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. Fruitfulness in the life of a disciple looks more like spiritual reproduction than it does look at these traits and qualities in me. Because it looks more like pointing people to Jesus than pointing people to yourself. There's a lot of people who have been following Jesus for a long time, have a lot of wisdom, have a lot of knowledge, have a lot of experience, have, have walked it, have lived it, and I have nothing but respect and I honor those of you that have walked with Jesus, but 
Can I tell you that your biblical knowledge or understanding is not the true mark of maturity in your walk with God? How many small groups you've led in your life is not a, the, 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 the end-all, be-all of your spiritual maturity? But the mark of a mature disciple is how many disciples they've made. The mark of maturity in this life is reproduction. Jesus told Adam and Eve in the garden, be fruitful in what? Multiply. In the natural, yes. But then as disciples, he told them, go and make, be fruitful and multiply. Have you multiplied? Have you made a disciple? When's the last time you made a disciple? Who is the last disciple that you made? Who are you currently discipling? Who are you praying for this year? It's a hard message, right? Like, it's challenging. Because I'm going to be honest, like, as, as your pastor, Ephesians chapter 4 tells me that it's my job to equip you to do all of this. But as a follower of Jesus, it's also my job to do this. It's my job to make disciples and not just as they come in this context, but it's my job to, in my daily life, be making, be a disciple who is making disciples as well, the same as it is for you. And so if you're here today and you, you have placed faith in Jesus, you can, you can choose to say, you know what, I'm just a Christian and I'm good with that. That's fine for now. But if you're going to be at Dream City, it's going to become very uncomfortable for you to just come in as a Christian and, and, and refrain from living the life of a disciple. Or you come in and you say, you know what, I am a disciple. I, I, I've professed faith. I've picked up my cross. I want to look like Jesus and I want to live this life. I want to be close to him. I want to know him. I want to hear his voice. I want his spirit to be alive in my life. Okay, then there are things that are going to be expected of all of us. The question you have to wrestle with this week is, are you just a Christian by name or are you wanting to be a disciple by your actions? Are you just a Christian by name or are you a disciple in practice? Last week, I told you the theme for this year was what? Be one, reach one. Be one, reach one. What does that mean? Be a disciple who makes a disciple. And I encourage you during this fasting time, be praying, God, who is it that you're putting on my heart? Who do I have in my life that doesn't know you, that needs to experience the hope and the joy that is found in you? God, God, who are you giving me opportunities to invest in relationally as I take them to coffee and as I pray for them this year and I, I, I engage with them this year? Who, who are you putting on my heart that I can pray and believe God for? Some of you have... I've come in over the last couple of weeks and you've seen the, the chain link fence out in the foyer up on the wall. How many of you guys have seen that? Some of you are like, what is he talking about? It's been there for two weeks and, and you're looking at me right now the way that, that I'll look at my wife when I come in. I'm like, that painting on the wall, those pictures, how long have those pictures been there? And she's like, John, those have been there for three months. And I'm like, no, they have not. She's like, John, literally those have been there for three months. Some of you are looking at me like that right now. But anyway, 
on your way out, you'll notice in the foyer on, that, on the blue wall right there, there's a, a section of chain link fence. And some of you are like, what is that for? Some of you, you're going to walk out today and it's going to be completely new to you. That's cool. It's going to be exciting. You're going to love it. But as you're praying for, as you're praying for this, this God to give you the, the name of this person during the fast, and as we are, are, are leading up to Converge, part of Converge, what we're going to do during the breakouts is really wanting to equip you in the different spaces of your life to continue this conversation, to be a disciple, but then in those second and third spaces, how do I be intentional in those arenas and in those areas to, to look for opportunities to make disciples? And so, so really wanting to go deeper in this conversation, to equip you in the first, second, third spaces of your lives to, to find these people and to be a disciple who makes disciples. But at the end of that, on that Sunday, uh, what we're going to do is, is after service, every one of you is going to, to leave the sanctuary and you're going to go out and you're going you're gonna to get a lock like this, just a little key lock. And, and what we're going to ask you to do is, is you're praying over 21 days, God, who are you wanting me to, to, to believe you for? Who are you wanting me to pray for? Who are you wanting me to invest in relationally? On that Sunday, we're all going to go out there. We're going to get our locks. We're going to get a Sharpie. And you're going to write either the name or the initials of that person that you're believing by faith is going to come to know Jesus during the course of this year through the Holy Spirit empowering you relationally. We're going to get that, the lock, we're going to write their name, and then we're going to take our locks and we're going to lock them onto the chain link fence. You're going to take the key with you. If you choose to, to put on a necklace and wear it with you every day, if you choose to put it in your car, you choose to put it in your dresser, in your safe, whatever you want to do with it, but you take this key with you because, because you hold the key. You hold the key to this person. And yes, it's the Holy Spirit and conversion is a work of the Holy Spirit, but how will they believe unless somebody tells them? How are, how are they going to have faith unless they know, unless you take your key, unless you submit yourself to the process of discipleship, unless you say, God, I'm tired of just being a Christian. I want to be a disciple who makes disciples. God, I'm tired of seeing people in my life struggle. I'm tired of them and walking around without the hope that I have. Would you empower me? Would you equip me? Would you give me the words to say this year that, that believing in you by faith, one day I'm going to walk in and, and they're going to be with me and, or, or even at, 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 at a coffee shop, they're going to give their heart to the Lord and I'll be able to walk in with them one day and walk up to that fence and take their lock off that fence, knowing that they've came to a life-changing decision to follow you. And I believe that as, as we all go out there and we put these locks on the fence and, and, and weekly as a staff, we'll be praying over those locks and we'll be praying for you guys. But, but I believe by faith that there are gonna be so many locks that we put on there and so many locks that over the course of the year we can come in and we can remove. And I'm just excited to hear the stories of transformation and of life change in individuals and in families and in the stories of what God is wanting to do in you and through you as we submit to this idea of discipleship so that we can then go and be fruitful, so that we can multiply ourselves, not making it about us and our comfort, 
but picking up our cross, following Jesus, being disciples who then make disciples. Amen? Amen. Stand with me this morning. I want to pray for you, and we'll be dismissed today. Lord, I thank you for your word. Mm. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for what you are stirring up in me. God, I thank you for what you're stirring up in, in your church. And Lord, I, I thank you that, that today is, it's, a, it's a hard message to hear. It's a hard message to preach. It's a, a hard message to receive because it's challenging. And, and we all can recognize areas of our lives where maybe we're not fully surrendered and we're not fully submitted. And there's things that we've withheld and kept back. And, and in more areas of our lives, we look just like Christians rather than looking like disciples. Lord, today you haven't, you haven't called us to be Christians. You've called us to be disciples, to be learners, to be followers, to be those whose words and ways are transformed and resemble your words and in your ways. Jesus, if you didn't say it, we don't want to say it. And if you wouldn't say it, we don't want to say it. If you didn't do it, you wouldn't do it. We don't want to do it. Even as you said, I only say what the Father says. I only do what the Father does. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Lord, daily would we, we seek to be imitators of you. And our words and our ways would match up with your words and your ways. And if there's anything in our lives that we've refused to give to you today, we give it over. Total commitment. Following you with everything that we have. Cannonball off the deep end. Lord, help us to love those around us. Where it says, by this they'll know that you're my disciples and that you love one another. May our lives be marked with love. May our lives be marked with obedience. And if we held up the standard of your word and compared our lives against it, if there is anything in our life that does not resemble your word, may we, rather than trying to twist and conform your word to look like us, may we conform our lives to look like your word. Help us to be fully surrendered and submitted, obedient to your word. And Lord, this year, help us to be, to be fruitful. May this year be a year of fruitfulness. A year, Lord, where we take the Great Commission and we go and we do. And in our first phase, may we seek to be disciples. And as we engage in our second and third spaces, may we seek to make disciples. We need you. Even as we sing today, we can't do this without you. But Lord, I thank you that you haven't called us to. You are with us always, even to the end of the age. Continue to speak to us on this fast. Continue to, to draw us closer to you during this time. Challenge us, encourage us, prepare us, equip us for where you're taking us this year. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Love you guys. Have a great week. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. 
please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.